today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Your backslidings increased. Your heart didn't soften towards me in repentance. Rather, it became even harder towards me. You know, the same heat, we're going to see this here in a moment. Fire can either harden or melt. The same fire can either harden or soften. It can warm or burn. Same fire. Trials that come your way are opportunities to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. When the future is uncertain, do you look to Him for guidance? Today, Pastor J.D. is going to show you that the choice is yours for what your hardships lead to. Will you become stronger or let it defeat you and trap you where you're at? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 5, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So here in chapter 5, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is going to describe in graphic detail, I might add, what always ensues when we refuse God's correction. And once again, I have to say this again, because the chapter before us comes packaged with this propensity to disenfranchise ourselves from the warnings that are in the text. And by that I mean we can read this, we can study this chapter, a chapter like this in God's Word, and we're so quick to kind of disconnect ourselves from it under the banner of, well, this was for them then, not so much for us now. This is the judgment of God, the correction of God. They would not take heed to the word of God. And we are sadly dismissive of what it is that we're going to read here in God's word. And we don't apply it to our lives because we really don't think that, quite frankly, it applies to our lives. And so there's this unfortunate disconnect when we do that. As we're about to see, the disconnect is concerning those times when God has to use the fear of the Lord instead of our love for the Lord to correct us. I might need to maybe expound on that just a bit before we jump in. There are those times when God, just because of our love for Him, we're walking in obedience to Him. I'm reminded of what Jesus said when He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And it's not one of these things of, if you really love me, you would obey me. Well, it's more like this. It's, 
because you love me, you'll be obedient to me. In other words, your obedience to me is measured by your love for me. And this is what it looks like in the life of a believer. We just love the Lord so much that we don't want to do anything to grieve Him. We don't want to do anything against Him because of how much we love Him. And certainly that's a motivation for obedience. But (laughs) there are those times when instead of our love for the Lord being the motivation for obedience, it has to come by way of the fear of the Lord. And that's what we're going to see, actually beginning here in verse 1. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know, and seek in her open places if you can, Find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her, though they say, verse 2, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. Let's start with verse 2, and then we'll work our way back to verse 1. This saying, as they would say, as the Lord lives, would be akin to a similar saying in our day that goes something like this, and you'll forgive me, but it's, I swear to God. I swear on the Bible. (laughs) Or, have you ever heard this one? Or maybe even yourself said this one, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Listen, if you have to swear on a stack of Bibles, your word must mean nothing. (laughs) You shouldn't have to do that. Your yes should be yes, your no should be no, right? But see, this is what they were doing. And as such, they were doing this falsely. As the Lord lives, I swear, as God is my witness. Well, (laughs) The reason you're doing that is because you're doing so falsely. Now, what about verse 1 that leads up to this saying that they had as the Lord lives? Well, Jeremiah is told by God to search throughout Jerusalem and see if he can find just one man, just one, who's righteous, who seeks the truth, who executes judgment. And here's what God said, if you can find just one, I will pardon all of Jerusalem. Does this sound a little bit reminiscent of when Abraham was pleading with God concerning Sodom and his nephew Lot who was there in Sodom? And he starts off pleading with the Lord, Lord, would you destroy this city, if there were 40 righteous, the Lord says, no, I will not destroy this city if there are 40 righteous. And then Abraham continues his plea, and he goes down from 40, and he stops, interesting, at 10. And the question has to be asked, why would he stop at 10? Could it be that Abraham thought for sure there had to be at least 10 righteous there in Sodom, and there was not. And so here we are, there's not even one. 
You can search high and low, look in the open places, see if you can find one. Verse 3, O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. This is Jeremiah's response now to the Lord. But we're still going to keep seeking and searching for even one, as we'll see next. But here he's crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people. And quite frankly, he's astonished. He's like, here you've corrected them, you've stricken them, but there's no grief or sorrow on their part. You've consumed them, but they still refuse to receive correction. In fact, not only have they not received your correction, they've actually become harder. And they've refused to return. This is a... I call it a cry. It's not a prayer even, as much as it is a cry. You know how sometimes you don't pray to the Lord, you just cry. It's just a a cry, a plea. And this is what Jeremiah is doing here. Verse 4, Therefore I said, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. I will go to the great man and speak to them. For they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God, but these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. In other words, I'm going to keep searching. Okay, I'm not going to search among the poor and the foolish. They don't know. Maybe I'll seek out the learned, the great. Maybe I'll speak to them. I mean, they know the Lord. They know the ways of the Lord. They know the judgment of their God. But even them, they too, all together, I find not one. They've all broken the yoke. You know, as I was preparing for the teaching tonight and kind of pondering these two verses in particular, it kind of hit me that this is the heart of Jeremiah. We get a kind of a glimpse into the heart of this man. I mean, he's desperately trying to wrap his mind around this conundrum that he's in. And he's really taken it to heart, and it's breaking his heart. He cannot find in his search throughout, whether rich or poor, great or small, not even one. And it's almost like he's he's trying to, in vain, unsuccessfully so, make excuses for them. Oh, maybe it's because they just don't know any better. They don't know the way of the Lord. It doesn't excuse it necessarily, but it might in some way explain it. He's trying to come up with a defense. And I don't know if you've caught this or not, but right out of the chute, God is 
sort of arguing his case against his people concerning his judgment on his people. It's a just judgment. And there's almost this due process in the first four or five verses where God is saying, okay, go ahead, see if there are any righteous, and then come back to me before I execute judgment. And Jeremiah does it, and he comes back to the Lord. He's like, Lord, I don't understand. I I, I don't understand. This is heartbreaking. I'm trying to reconcile it, and I cannot. They don't know. They've altogether broken the yoke. Now verse 6, Therefore, a lion from the forest shall slay them, a wolf of the deserts shall destroy them, a leopard will watch over their cities, Everyone who goes out from there shall be torn in pieces. Why? Because their transgressions are many. Their backslidings have increased. How shall I pardon you for this? Verse 7. Your children have forsaken me and sworn by those that are not God's. And I want you to pay particular attention to what he says next here at the end of verse 7. When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. Get this picture in your mind. This is graphic. They were actually standing in line to get into these houses of prostitution. And this on the heels of God blessing them to the full, prospering them, feeding them to the full. We're going to see even more graphically here in a moment. And again, you'll forgive me for saying it this way, but they had become fat and sassy. And that is the problem, isn't it? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that we all have this tendency to turn away from the Lord during times of abundance. I know I say it like this for lack of a better way of saying it, but it's not that God has problems, but the problem God has is that He wants to bless us, but He also knows that in blessing us, there's this great potential for us in that blessing and abundance and prosperity to turn away from the Lord. This is something over the years that I've been walking with the Lord that I have seen, I've experienced it in my own life, certainly as I've taught through the Bible, I've seen it replete throughout Scripture, that prosperity is actually more dangerous than adversity. Because In adversity, you have to trust the Lord. You have to look to the Lord. You have to call upon the Lord. You have to rely upon the Lord. But during times of prosperity, you begin to trust in your own abundance, your own resources. And it can take your heart away from the Lord. And this is what the Lord's saying here. 
I cannot turn a blind eye to this. I cannot pardon you for this. You've forsaken me and you've gone after these other gods and you've committed these horrific, unspeakable acts of sexual immorality in your abundance and prosperity. I mean, here I've blessed you to the full. You've had need of nothing. You want for nothing. I have blessed you abundantly. And that blessing has turned into a curse. Because the very blessing from the hand of God now has become that which has, if you will, given me license. Which is where we get the word licentiousness. It's almost like, you know, God has blessed me and I have this abundance and our hearts are prone to wander. They, verse 8, again, you, this, is, this is quite picturesque. They were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? I hope that, and we've talked about this, and maybe this is a as good of a time as any as a reminder of this, but there are so many prophetic parallels to our day today and our nation today as there was in Jeremiah's day. I mean, this again is quite picturesque, quite quite the imagery, well-fed, lusty stallions. And the Lord is again arguing His case against His people, justifying His just judgment of His people. And this is chilling, if you think about it, because of its application to us today. Shall not God judge this nation? Shall God not punish this nation for these same things? This is the message... Judgment is coming. I tried. I tried to warn you. I pleaded with you. I tried to correct you, redirect you, and you would have none of it. You would not return to me. Your backslidings increased. Your heart didn't soften towards me in repentance. Rather, it became even harder towards me. You know, the same heat, we're going to see this here in a moment. Fire can either harden or melt. The same fire can either harden or soften. It can warm or burn. Same fire. 
Go up on her walls and destroy, verse 10. But do not make a complete end. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this. That's the mercy of God. We saw this last week. We're going to see it again later on. This is God saying, yes, destruction is coming. Yes, judgment is coming, but it will not be complete destruction because I'm going to restore you. I still have a plan for you. I'm not through with you. I am chastising you. I am correcting you. But I'm not going to completely destroy you. Take away your branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel, verse 11, and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. This is, again, we saw this, I think it was in chapter 4. At first read, you can easily miss it. I did. Then the Lord checked me on it. Because the Lord takes notice of our dealing with Him and treatment of Him. You ever thought of it like that? How we treat the Lord? Wait, what? Yeah. How we deal with the Lord? Notice, He says, the way you've dealt with me is treacherous. That's how you treat me. You've treated me and dealt with me treacherously. I don't know, maybe I need to just speak for myself, but this is very convicting because oftentimes the furthest thing from my mind is what I do or say, how it affects the Lord, how it grieves the Lord. Oh, would to God that it would never be said of me that I deal treacherously with the Lord. I want to bless the Lord. I want to be a blessing to the Lord. You know, we always pray, Lord, bless me. But have you ever thought of it this way? What about you blessing the Lord? I bless you, Lord. I want to be pleasing to you, Lord, in my dealings with you, Lord. I want to bless you, Lord. Is my life a blessing to you? (laughs) Is my life pleasing to you in the way that I deal with you? Verse 12, this is interesting. You're going to have to bear with me on this one. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not He. (laughs) Neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine, and the prophets become wind. For the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Wow. Wow. You know what Jeremiah is saying here? He's saying the prophets are liars. They're lying. What are they lying about? Oh, they're lying about the warnings of God's judgment. They're saying, ah, no. Evil's not coming. Judgment's not coming. It is not. It's not going to happen. 
We're not going to see the sword or famine. Come on. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth 